Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke, the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Gospel of Luke chapter 6. You ever met somebody that you just didn't like? I mean, you just didn't like them at all. And so you were, you're kind of short with them. You're a little bit uh, maybe even rude to them. But, but the reason you didn't like them wasn't because you knew them. The reason you didn't like them was because somebody else told you about them. You ever had that happen? And so you determined you didn't like them based on somebody else's interaction with them, somebody else's experience. But, but because you spent time with the person you didn't like, you started realizing, wait a minute, they're not that bad after all. You ever had that happen to you, anybody? I mean, that, that happens to all of us, right? See, what happened there was you built a relationship on a faulty foundation, you build a relationship on a foundation that somebody else gave you, but it was the wrong foundation. It wasn't built in the truth of that person. It was built in the experience of a second or, excuse me, a third party. Today, I want to talk to you about foundations. Foundations in relationships, foundations in marriage, foundations in raising children, foundations in the church. And the reason I want to talk to you about that is because we live in a culture where foundations are being eroded by the second. Every social structure that we are engaged in, there is a, an erosion of foundations. And as a result, we are in the most difficult um, status we've ever been in when it terms to emotional fragility and emotional um, stress. If, if you anecdotally, if you go talk to teachers today and you ask them what what's the what's the status of what you see in schools, the majority of teachers, at least in my experience, maybe maybe there's an experience somewhere else, but in my experience, the teachers are telling me that they've never seen students. So emotionally fragile, so freaked out, so stressed out than they see him right now. There's a reason for that. Now, we blame the pandemic, and there's no doubt that has played a part in it, all that goes on with that. But the bigger part of why there's so much difficulty emotionally is because the culture has eroded the foundations upon which we build every social structure that exists in our world. And so in Luke chapter 6, Jesus gives us an understanding of foundations. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise. This should be like, like a remedial course, to be honest with you, because we know instinctively that foundations are important. If you build a house, the first thing you do is build a foundation. If you build a tree house, the first thing you do is secure it to a sort of foundation. If you build a marriage, the first thing you do is make sure you have a foundation. This is, this is instinctive to us, but Jesus thought it was important for us to go back and be reminded that your foundation determines the endurance of the structure you build upon it. So Luke chapter 6, verse 46 and following, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? 
and not do the things that I say. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts upon them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. So Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I say. He was addressing a group of people who were honoring him with their lips, but their hearts were far from them, from him. He was addressing a people who had the Son of the Living God right in front of them, who had the author and the creator, the perfecter, the founder of life right in front of them, and yet they were just letting his words pass on by us. And what he was saying was, Let me show you two kinds of people. First, the kind of people who understand who I am, they hear my words and they do what I say. And then the second kind of people who hear my words and yet do their own thing. Those two people are either wise or they're foolish. The wise person is the one who the Bible says that Jesus said, he comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. So in other words, his belief is building a foundation. And here's what we need to know. The foundations in the structures, social structures of life are, are built upon what we believe. What you believe matters. What, where you get what you believe matters. And if you believe something that is wrong, if you believe something that's a lie, even if you believe something that's just out of square or, or out of level eventually whatever you build upon top of what you believe is going to shake and is going to fall. Why? Because what you believe is the foundation for who you are and for everything built upon it. Now, I'm, 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 I'm struggling just a little bit because I want to go into each area of our life and talk about this. But I know that this morning is really not the time or place for that. Where this is ultimately going is this is the foundational message for a series of messages that I'll be preaching over the next several weeks on the building a healthy church. And the reason for that is, is that as a church, Story Point has been in existence for 12 years. First Baptist has been around for 60 plus years. And every so often we have to update our bylaws, which means these are the operational governing documents that we, 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 we live by. And it, and it helps us to have fun, a functioning church. If you take away the, the, the method of functioning, you, you get chaos. And so we don't want that. It's time to update those. And before we update them, we have to say, okay, on what basis are we updating them? What, what is our standard? What is our measurement? And I want us to make sure that our measurement is a cornerstone, or excuse me, is a foundation that comes out of scripture. Because after all, the church is not my church. I, it's kind of funny in our community. People say, so, so who owns your church? And I'm like, well, Jesus does. But then that's kind of like, you know, way out there. So I go, well, the people own the church. Well, what do you mean? Like everybody has stock in the church? 
Well, kind of, sort of. See, the way we do church is different. I don't know if you know this, but the way we do church, our polity, our governing structure is different than other denominations, than, than other churches. If you go to the Methodist church, they pay for their church. They buy all that is there, but the conference owns it. If you go to a Presbyterian church, it's a little bit different structure. If you go to a Catholic church, it's a little different so we have a unique kind of polity, and I'm saying that to say, this is the kind of stuff that you're never like, ooh, 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 let's talk about church government. Please. <laughs> Nobody does that. But it is so important that we get this right, because the, the righter we get it, the less chaos and confusion we have in actually living and being the church. And then there will be those who will say, well, I just don't do any organized at all. Okay, well, that whole presents a whole separate set of issues, but we won't talk about that now. Okay, so Jesus said, I'll show you what it's like for someone who comes to me, hears my words, and acts upon them. So here's, here's the three parts. Come to Jesus, so you went to the right place. Here's the words, right? We hear Jesus through the scripture, and then what? Does what the scripture says. So ideally, every Every structure in your life should have a basis for the foundation, and that basis should be the words of Christ Jesus, right? He says the one who does that is like a man building a house. Now, I'm familiar with this because I didn't build my house, but I added to the house. And so um, we bought the house that was built in the early 70s. And then I, I remodeled the inside, which that's easy stuff. That's just, that's just the bones, but we wanted a little bit more space so we could entertain a little bit more with people. And so we started this process of adding an addition to the back. And it was a, it was a thousand square feet. So pretty, pretty big addition to the back. What I discovered to my surprise is that the longest amount of time seemed to be the foundation. Because you didn't just go in and start building. You actually had to tear down things and remove things so you could start to put in a foundation. So we had a back patio that had to totally come off. I had to totally destroy the back of my house before I could even start the foundation. But the foundation consisted of holes or trenches that were dug and then steel rods that were put in there and it was weaved together. And so we had to, to footers and then, you know, you don't want to hear all of that stuff, but here's what I discovered. All of that is the most important part of the entire edition. If you get that right, everything else will fall into place. If you get that wrong, if your foundation is wrong, the whole structure is compromised. And how much wrong does it need to be? If you are off by a half of an inch on the foundation, it if, if it's big enough, it affects the structure of the roof, it affects the integrity of the walls, it affects how the doors close. You say, well, I can just fudge here and I can just change it here. But eventually that all catches up to you. So a foundation has to be deep, it has to be square, and it has to be level. And it needs to be that way perfect, as perfect as can be. Here's the funny part. Do you know the amount of schooling is requ that's required to uh, pour foundations in our county? None. Do you know how much licensing is required to pour foundations in our county? None. Pretty much, I could become an expert foundation builder. 
in our county tomorrow by watching YouTube videos today. I'm not joking. I can go out, buy a concrete truck, and I can hire a bunch of people, and I can say, hey, I pour, I pour foundations. It's scary because that is actually the way we're now doing it in our, the structures of life. The problems we have is because we don't know how to build a foundation. And because of that, we've built on top of a weak or a faulty foundation. And so for some of you in this room, you're going to have to go back in these places. and You're going to have to go, you know what? That foundation doesn't work. I'm going to have to pull it out. It's, it's, I was driving by a house not too long ago with a friend. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were noticing new construction. So being curious, we walked up to it. And both of us were standing on the concrete going, were these the three blind mice that poured this thing? I mean, it was, it was awful. It was horrible. We went back not too long ago. And um, they had ripped the whole thing out. I think, that, I think that's what I... To pour it back again. Why? Because a faulty foundation compromises the structure. Some of you are going to have to go in and go, you know what? I built on the wrong foundation. It could be your marriage. It could be your parenting. How you're raising your kids. It could be your, your personal life. Your, your, your personal relationships. It could be your business. It could be... The way that you view church. It could be any of these things. But you got to go back. Rip off the stuff that's wrong. And start laying. Here's what I discovered about foundations. It's dirty. Unfun. Non-sexy kind of work. I mean there's nothing about it. That you're like. Ooh. I want to do that. No. You want to know why it takes so long to get a foundation today? Because nobody wants to do it. Try to, try to pour, pour concrete today. You'll be waiting for months. Why? Because it's nasty, hard work. But it's necessary work. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, you listening? <laughs> Trying to, right? <laughs> yeah, you all caught up on that sexy word, right? I don't know where that came from. That's like the buzzword of, of my, my apologies. You'll have to forgive me. So Jesus said, so the man that builds a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Listen, when the floods come, and the floods will come. It's not if the floods come. Heck, we might have one in five days. Who knows, right? It's not a, it's not a if, it's a when. It is guaranteed the floods will come. It is guaranteed the winds will blow. It is guaranteed you will have stress and pressure upon your house. It's an absolute guarantee. But when they come, the anxiety you feel will be determined by how secure you feel your house has been built. And here's a really cool side, side story to this, okay? How do you know if you... The first storm my house went through after the uh, addition was a little bit... You know, it's like, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't normally get nervous, but I was a little bit nervous. Why? I didn't know if we built it right. I mean, I saw it being built. I personally built a portion of it, but I wasn't absolutely sure. Why? Because it had never been tested. After that storm pushed through, Sally pushed through, right? I'm looking at my house and I'm going, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it stood the test. It was proven to be right. The foundation held, the nails held, everything was like it's supposed to be. Listen, when storms come, and they will come, 
They will crash against the house and it couldn't shake it because it was well built. Isn't it funny how we spend so much time on the exterior of things while the interior stuff we allow to rot and, and, and disintegrate? We spend a lot of time on things that don't really matter. And we spend a little bit of time on things that absolutely matter. It's backwards. Now Jesus said, okay, that's the wise guy. But verse 49, but the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. He's walking along. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Oh, this is a great place to build a house. He grabs some lumber and he starts building it on the sand. And everybody's like, wow, what a beautiful house. That's amazing. Man, I love what you did with the coloring. And I like the porch. Uh, the specifically like the porch. And I like all the, the, the shingles are perfect. The first storm that comes through totally blows it away. Why? Because he didn't take the time to build the proper foundation. Jesus said, the destruction of that house was great. Listen, that is exactly what we are seeing today in our culture. Let me give you an example. The foundations that we have built upon for centuries, for centuries, are suddenly no longer foundations. Are you a man or are you a woman? That is a foundational question. Are you married to a man or a woman who is the opposite sex? That is a foundational question. These are not popular questions today. And you say that out loud and you get arrow shot at you because who are you to tell me that you have truth and I don't? Listen, the most dangerous statement in America today is... This is my truth and you can have your truth. That's not the way truth works. If truth is not true for you and me, it's not truth. It's opinion. It's feeling. And again, this doesn't play well in culture. But what we get from a reduction of a foundation is the insecurity that comes from a house that is built without a foundation. When it comes to Raising children. Well, I just want them to explore themselves and express themselves and just be whoever they decide they want to be. Yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Superman. Like, I ran around in my underoos. Could you imagine had I been left to my own devices? I would be in underoos today with a cape. That would be scary. I used to jump off houses thinking I could fly. Guess what? There was a truth that was not my truth, but it was truth. And that is gravity means if you jump off of a house, you will fall to the ground. Because gravity cannot be defeated simply because I want to pretend it doesn't exist. Right? So all of these foundational things that, that we've built life upon. And by the way, where do you get these foundational things? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 3. Every single foundation in life that you need to know about is found in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Every one of them. Do you find it surprising that every one of those foundations has been chipped away and eroded in our culture? And as a result, we have a very shifty, wildly... Um, gosh, what word could I use here? 
uh, uh, wildly insecure and afraid culture and country. There was a time when the majority of people, even though they disagreed on the specifics, they would have agreed upon foundational issues. Now, we let everyone do what is right in his own eyes. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Everyone does what's right in his own. It's Genesis chapter 6 and chapter 7, the story of Noah. The Bible tells us that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They were only evil all the time. And God was sorry he ever made them. He repented of that. And he sent the flood. And folks, I want to tell you that unless we get the foundations right, we will find ourselves in the same condition. I would even say to you this. A marriage that, was, that is built on the proper foundation will last every single storm pushed against it. Everyone, children that are raised with the proper foundation, they may stray, but eventually that foundation is going to hold them. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a caveat in that one in that they also have the, the, the freedom to choose what they want to do. So it is possible to lay a really solid foundation with children and then decide just to rebel and do whatever they want to do. But by and large, the foundation will support them at least eventually. That's been my experience of seeing it. I think probably you too. When it comes to a business, if you build a business based on a foundation that is a Christ-given foundation, that business will prosper. Why? Because in the scripture, we have very clear guidelines of what, how we're supposed to see money, how we're supposed to treat people. Matter of fact, the most popular business built on a Christ foundation that you can think of is the Christian chicken. The Jesus, the Jesus foul, right? I mean, who doesn't love, who doesn't love, who doesn't love Chick-fil-A, right? Matter of fact, we were having a conversation in our house the other night about people. What? Did they just rat you out? You don't like CFA? You cannot be on the front row, lady. I'm sorry, but that's, that's like sack. Here, here's the thing. So it, the conversation at our house the other night was, um, you know, people... We'll, we'll, and it'll actually does, it'll happen today. Somebody will go to the drive-thru on Sunday and be waiting. They're like, that red light's going to turn green soon. I know it. Man, oh man, why are they waiting? Well, because it's Sunday. And I'm like, that's dumb. Everybody, then I go, oh, no wonder. I work every Sunday, so I know every Sunday that's Sunday. And so I would never think that way. They're like, yeah, if they were closed on Tuesdays, you'd be in the drive-thru by yourself too. Like, yeah, it's me. It's true. But think about it. Truett Cathy said, I want to build a business on godly principles. God blessed that and God honored that. Now, his work was a large part of that. But I would say, and he would say, if he were here today, he would, and if you read what he wrote, that his biblical foundation is the reason for their success. All of these things should help us to understand that foundations are important. Skip over to the right in the scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When it comes to the church, the foundations of who we are as a church is of critical importance. They're important because the only way for us to know what to do is to have instructions, right? The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 9 and following. For we, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, for we are God's co-workers. 
You are God's field, God's building. So he's speaking to the church who is in difficult situations. The Corinthian church had gone awry. They had allowed some things and there were some issues going on. And he's trying to remind them that, that as the apostles, they were, they were directing and leading the church. They had laid a foundation and the church they were building were the people of God. Listen to what he says. He says, you are God's field, God's building. That's you. You are God's field. You are God's building. God is at work in you. And then he continues, according to God's grace, verse 10, that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. And another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. The foundation is, he tells us, Jesus Christ. So you say, well, what foundation should I build? In business, in marriage, in raising children, in church, in relationships. The foundation for all of those is exactly the same. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you hear my words and you put them in the practice. That's the wise man who builds a solid foundation. So for us... How do we hear his words? Well, we hear his words through scripture. Now you might ask, so, so why Jesus Christ? Why would he have the right to be the foundation for all that we do? It's really a very simple answer. And of course, we find that answer in scripture. Because the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. Word was with God. Right? So Jesus Christ is the word. He's the one who forms the foundation of the universe. If you go back into Genesis chapter 1, what you'll find is the earth was formless and empty. There was nothing. It was this great abyss and God spoke things into existence. He said, let there be day and night. So he, he had the sun and the moon. And he said, the sun will govern the day. The moon will govern the night. That was the first day. And then he separated the, the, the land mass out of the waters. And as he did these things, he was creating borders. He was creating boundaries. He was creating a foundation for everything in our life to be built upon. That's why if you deny the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you're going to be floundering in every part of your life. If you start to question, well, did God really do it? Or did this, this whole thing just go... Think about it. That's a foundational issue. If God did not create, then why would you or I serve him? He's an impotent, powerless, small God. But if God did create, then he has rightful claim to say some things, right? And if Jesus was there in the beginning, if he was the author and the perfecter and the creator of all these things, if he set the world into existence, then he certainly knows how it operates, right? Not only did God give us the boundaries of the moon, the stars for day and night, he gave us the land. He also gave us dominion. And then he said, but there's this one place in the garden you can't eat, right? So that was God, again, setting boundaries in, of, of what we could do and what we couldn't do. And notice all of those things were about believing. Because what I believe will determine what I do every single time. None of us do anything before believing it's the right thing 
or the next thing to do. Belief is everything. Which, here's the tricky part about church, okay? So we go back to Corinthians and he says, look. Now he's, he's talking, I think, on two levels here. He's speaking to the people of God individually, but I don't think it's just individually. I think he's speaking to them corporately as well. Because he's addressing a corporate situation or a corporate issue at the church. Corporate being the collaborative group of people, right? He's saying, as a church, you know, I've laid a foundation as a master builder. Other people are building on it. And then he goes on to say, what is being built upon that foundation will be tested and will be proven whether or not it's true or not. So here's the hard part about church, okay? I told you that we have different polities for different churches. Here's the hard part. There is no clear example of exactly how a church is supposed to operate. There is no crystal clear, just do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Doesn't exist. What we have are guidelines. What we have are, are boundaries, but not exact specifics. Why do you think God would do that? Why, why, don't you, why wouldn't it be simpler? Why wouldn't it just be, just follow the plan? I think it's because faith is required to pleasing God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because in this, this, this foundation that, that is Christ Jesus, there are the intangibles that require a consistent, constant, never-ceasing faith. You and I won't know all things here. We will always have to have faith in what God says... Even when we can't understand or see what God says sometimes. And so I think that nature of faith causes us to wrestle and to struggle and to figure some things out as to how we're to operate. So church polity wise, you could be on this side and say this is the way the Bible says the church is supposed to be run. And you could prove that from some scripture. But you could also come over here and say well, this is the way the church is supposed to be run. You could prove that from some scripture. And both of you are right in that the scripture teaches both of those things. But there's still that little messy middle that goes, okay, how does that actually flesh out when it comes to people, human relationships? I'm a big fan of Thomas Sowell. You guys know who that is? Does anybody know who Thomas Sowell is? Please introduce yourself to Thomas Sowell. He's an economics genius. But, but the way he thinks, the way he teaches is just masterful. He says this phrase, okay? He says, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. I want you to think about that. See, what we want is to fix problems. We want to go in and go, you know what? I'm going to fix this problem. Boom, it's fixed. We're done. He goes, you know, that's really not the way life is. But there are trade-offs. You can come in, you can go, I can do this or I can do this. If I do this, these are the consequences. If I do this, these are the consequences. I'm trading one thing for another. I'm not solving a problem. I'm simply deciding what my values are and how I'm going to work through that problem. Marriage is the best example of this. You want a house on the inside that has carpet. Your spouse wants a house on the inside that has tile. What are you going to do? Depends on who the wife is, right? <laughs> Think about it. What's the solution? 
You want tithe? Yeah, this is the solution. <laughs> best, best out of three. You let me know how that works out. You're not married, are you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, what's the solution? How, how do you fix it? Well, because you got to decide. You, you got a floor. You got to do something, right? So a solution is just do one. Okay, that's great. But the other person's not going to like it. Or you do the other and the other person. So, so you got these trade-offs, right? How about we do the bedroom areas in carpet and we do the main living areas in tile? See, that's a trade-off. We might call those compromises. But what we're doing is we're trying to figure out how we make things work within the structure of human relationships. Easy example, but within the church, that's the way it is. Because if I asked you how we're supposed to do things, I'd, I'd have literally 10 different ideas of what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Did you know that? But guess what? We got to do something, right? So what we're going to do, and, and, I, and I say that to say what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at the non-negotiables in scripture for a foundation for the church. A couple of them are. The Bible is our standard. Period. Now we're going to look at tradition and history. That's cool. But at the end of the day. We're not going to call something. A, an absolute. If the Bible doesn't call it absolute. That's one, found, that's one foundational. Uh, uh, this, let's call, I don't want to call it a pillar. That's, that's a foundational um, footing, okay? Another foundational footing is faith. We have got to be a church of faith. Individually, but collectively. There are going to be times where we come to a decision and we go, we don't know what to do. But we're going to choose to trust the providence and the sovereignty of God. There, there, there's a foundation of structure. You know, what are we going to do with elders and deacons and pastors and teachers? What, what do we do with that? How, how do we work through that? How, how do we deal with it, right? There's a foundational issue of love. Matter of fact, I would say that's the first foundational issue. Because none of this stuff works if we don't love one another. With an agape kind of love. If you know your kinds of love. That's like a deep-rooted God kind of love that we cannot achieve on our own strength and and ability. So we've got all these issues. So I'm going to ask you over the next several weeks to commit to being here every week. Or if you're not, I'm going to ask you to go watch online so that when we get to the point where we have to make these decisions, we can all be on the same page. And I can promise you what we're going to do is we're going to be at a place where we go, you know what? I see it this way. I see it this way. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to in love, make a decision and move forward. Because the unity of the body is as important as anything else as well. See, all these foundational issues, you're going, what, that's foundation? Yeah, it is. All of that being said, I'm going to ask you personally first to examine your foundations. What have you built your marriage upon? You know, sometimes we build marriages upon selfishness. We marry somebody because how they make us feel. Because what they do for us. That's human. But what we really should build it on is the truth that Jesus Christ is the center of it. 
Now, you may not have a spouse that will allow for that, but if you do, can I just invite you to be sure that Jesus is the center? Because if he's the hub, everything else comes off of that and it makes sense and it, may, and it works. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 2, God gave Adam and Eve together and literally formed them as the first married couple. He said, the two will leave their father and mother. They will cleave and become one flesh. That, my friends, is marriage. God designed it. God built it. He knows how it works. If you have a business that you're not sure if Jesus is the, 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 the hub of it, I'm going to invite you just to, to start peeling back some layers and say, you know what? Jesus needs to be the center. We need to do things the biblical way. If, if the scripture is not your, your measuring tape, I want to invite you to just go back and say, you know what? I'm going to go through scripture, and as God shows me what I need to change, I'm just going to make those adjustments. Why? Because storms will come. And if your house is not built on a solid foundation, your house will not last. It just won't. One final thing. Could you imagine if we all used a different standard for building? Could you imagine if I bought a tape from Lowe's, and you bought a tape from Harbor Freight? No disrespect, but we all know. And, you, and you're, you know, tape, a measuring tape, right? And, and you're, you're cutting things and I'm cutting things and we're trying to build a house together, but we're using two different tapes. One, one tape is accurate and perfect and the other tape is a little bit off. Could you imagine the frustration that's going to happen as we're building this thing? And could you imagine what it looks like? Can I just suggest to you that the majority of controversy that we face as human beings is because we're not using the same standard. We're not using the same tape. Because if we were, we would both be on the same page and we would be able to get through those things with a much more amiable and much more um, kind solution or trade-off rather. Will you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? I just want to invite you this morning to examine your own heart and life. What areas of your life do you need to readjust the foundation Maybe you've discovered you've built on a completely inept foundation. Have the courage to make the change. It is that important. This morning, if you're here and Jesus is nowhere even in the picture for you. You've never trusted Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've never yielded to him. Can I invite you today to surrender the control of your life over to him? Here's how that looks. Jesus, I believe you when you said that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through you. Jesus, I believe the scripture that tells me that my sin condemns me and separates me from you. Jesus, I believe the scripture that says, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So Jesus, I trust you. I give you my life now. And I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to save me. In Jesus' name. This morning, if you're watching by way of TV or, or Facebook, or if you're just here and, and you've made that decision, I want to invite you to make that public somehow. You can do it on the card. You can come and talk to me and I'll share it with the church. Maybe you're, if you're watching by, by TV, maybe you can call in or send an email. I don't know. 
Just make it public. Don't let, a, don't let, the, don't let the decision stay private. Because this is something to celebrate. Father, I do ask that in this moment you would help us to understand how important these issues are. I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom and grace. And just like 1 Corinthians says, God, the grace that was given to lay a foundation as a master skillful builder. God, I pray that you would help us over these next several weeks just to make sure we're in alignment with each other, with who you want us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand?